and welcome to Scene Partners with your permanently temporary hosts, Cody and Chris, apparently. <laughs> permanently temporary. Yeah. I like it. We got a new setup today, baby. <laughs> you do, yes. <laughs> I've, if, the, if our listening audience at home or in their car or on the toilet, wherever people listen to us, could see me right now, they'd be very jealous. He's been singing for about 30 minutes, sitting in his <laughs> recliner that he... We've had some upgrades. <laughs> Studio upgrades, baby. In my, I don't know, I think this recliner is actually from the 70s. Nice. Yeah. It's like you went and bought a new Lazy Boy and you're just... It is an I'm old Lazy Boy. right in the middle of the living room <laughs> so I can be comfortable. It is a, I probably like a 1970s... Lazy Boy recliner that belonged to my grandfather, and I can't really remember how it ended up with me. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm about it. I'm it's very it. comfortable. It's worn in. <laughs> it's real low to the ground. Like I mean, it's kind of like the, a Miata. I feel like I'm getting in a, into a Miata, like a comfortable Miata, like that low to the ground. Like I don't know if I'm. You're gonna have to help me get out of here. <laughs> Especially need, with the new mic setup that you have. Now. Yeah, I might just have to do like a ninja roll. I'm afraid of you falling asleep. Well, I did like, uh, yeah, uh, that is that is an issue. I'm gonna have to really try to be interested in what you say. I just, <laughs> I'll do the thing where I just let you continue to uh, pontificate. Yeah, I'll just continue to talk so I won't <laughs> fall asleep. Unlike you, I haven't, I haven't talked myself to sleep before. So, what do you mean, like me? Because you have done that I've, I've, on many occasions. That's the audacity that you have to bring that up. I've actually taught, might be more than twice. Two times for sure where you were in the middle of speaking. Look, when, when I'm tired, I'm done. Like, I just remember looking at Lexi and saying, "He's a, he just went to sleep, didn't he? <laughs> She's like, yes, he did. I said, he's in the middle of speaking. <laughs> and he is gone. Well, <laughs> what you in know. What world? Insomnia. No. Sleep apnea? Ap- no, that's not it. It's the one where, like, you can just, like, fall asleep on your own. Arca... <laughs> Narcolepsy. <laughs> Arcolepsy. Well, you never know. I was closer than you. At least I knew something. Yeah. Well, I almost said necrophilia, and that's not it. That was a <laughs> very no. different thing. Very different. So let's move on. What a situation. What? I'm glad you have your comfortable position there. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, what? Uh, do we want to continue? I mean, I talking could use about... a little bit more head support, if I'm honest. <laughs> you want to come get you a pillow? <laughs> <laughs> I just need a little pillow, though. I don't think that we have a little pillow. I think if you wore like a hoodie and you just put like the hood. That's what I need. I need just, just like a, a little a, bit a towel. <laughs> just a rolled up towel. I'd be like a real old guy. <laughs> I see you have you a pillow? No, I just rolled up a towel. <laughs> I just needed a little bit extra support. <laughs> Help me on my way. I knew this was going to start off very strange. I apologize for the mood that I'm in. I don't. I don't really understand. What's also, going we on. had a very pleasant conversation with a man who owns a little uh, local drive-in coffee. It's thing. a coffee horse trailer. Yeah. Yes, coffee horse trailer. Camerica, Camerico, Camericano, Camericano. Yes, Camericano. Yeah. Um. He's been like stationing up parking. I guess you'd just say he's been parking. <laughs> parking. He's been parking in Marksville. And since we had a day off today, I actually got to go and try his coffee. He's super nice. Nice. That guy's awesome. I, I hope that it works out because they haven't had a coffee shop succeed in Marksville. Yeah. So I'm hoping outside of the Starbucks inside of the casino, which I don't understand when I see people in town. Oh, with them, wait, like, wait, 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 wait. There's the a casino. Starbucks inside of the casino? Yeah. Then when the did casino this happen? In town, it's been there forever. No. Yeah. No. 
Well, for as long as I've lived here, it's been there. What? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't, and I, I don't know why people would make such a big deal. I mean, they like go the big deal of going to the casino just to get a cup of coffee and leave. They do that? People yeah, do that. People do that. That's crazy, man. People do weird stuff for name brands or Dude, for what they think they, they, they should want because of what other everywhere. people do. It's everywhere. It is taking over everything. That's why, like, you know, our our friend, our good friend Amanda, who owns Tampa Grinds, absolutely amazing. It's one of the things that kind of like I do not understand. This can be a little rant that I'll go on. Why not? Let's do it. I don't understand why and you know this is also kind of a comparison between broadway and off broadway i've I kind of feel the same way okay it's almost like people think oh well this is everywhere so it must be good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when in reality the things that are everywhere are most of the time they are diluted because people are trying to make a lot of money and spread it thin you yes. know and so you're not going to get the best product so, like, I can go wait in line at that new Starbucks that opened up in Alexandria that has a drive through that everybody, like, apparently is freaking out over. Or uh, for 30 minutes, I can wait in my car with it running for 30 minutes. Or I can drive 10 minutes down the road from that Starbucks and get a cup of coffee in three minutes. Yes. For half the price. That makes absolutely no sense to And me. support a local business. Did, have you have you been to Seattle? By the way, I haven't been to so, Seattle. Like they I know have, that they have like roasteries just on every yeah, corner. They have an ungodly amount, obviously, which is where Starbucks yes. started, right? Like they have over two hundred within the city um, alone. But the original Starbucks has that same issue. Like the number one ever has this line for days. You turn around across the street, empty Starbucks. It makes so no wild. sense. It's the the same exact coffee, the same exact equipment, but the pedigree of going. Yeah, I went to the first. Yeah, it's like, this makes no sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't really understand that either. I mean, I would much rather go. That's like thinking of going to New Orleans and not going to one of the coffee shops like French Truck. Yes. Like, why would I not go to French Truck? Exactly. If I'm in New Orleans instead of going to Starbucks, but you see people that are going to go to Starbucks. I'm like, why would you do that? You can go you can go there anywhere. I try to always, especially when I'm traveling, I don't want anything that I can get anywhere else, right? Yeah, of course. I love going local and trying to That's see like what it's about. like going to a small brewery. Yeah. That's kind of like in Montana, you can't get their beer from their microbreweries there outside of Montana. Mm. I think the only one, I think they have uh, Big Sky Brewery sells their uh, sells their stuff other places, but that's about it. Everything else, like you can only get that beer there. Why would I drink beer that I can have if I'm in Montana? Why would I get any other beer than yes? Because like, I'm not able to have it anywhere <laughs> yeah. else. I mean, that's the way I feel about like the coffee that Amanda has at Tamp is amazing. And it yeah, comes I from, think nationwide like, Rev, it's my favorite. Yeah, it's so good. And it comes like the coffee beans come from uh, the roastery in Lafayette from Rev. And just knowing like, I mean, you can track the bean yeah. all the way to the source very easily. It's never been mass produced or anything. It doesn't have any chemicals in it. It's an awesome coffee. And still people are like, oh, no, but I can buy a T-shirt at Target with the Starbucks logo on it. Mm. And so I'm going to also just drink that coffee because obviously it's popular. And so it's good. You know, as Ellen once put it, they were selling those Satan sippers. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, remember that year that they came out with just the simple red cup that people could like draw on and design themselves or whatever? 
for Starbucks or whatever. Oh, I don't remember. And this. then everyone was like losing their minds because it oh, didn't say right. Merry Christmas. No, I remember. I remember. And it didn't was, say Merry Christmas. Yeah, on we it. were we were finally pushing past the Merry Christmas. It was Happy Holidays. So yeah. they were like, "Here's losing a red cup. Just you know, design it however you want it." And Ellen was like, "Yeah, we gotta avoid Starbucks for these Satan sippers." <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy the things that you have to do for people and their feelings, I guess. But I do. It is. It is one of. It, it was really cool. I mean, this guy has outfitted his. His wife is actually a traveling nurse. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Well, but, you were kind of telling me beforehand, and then I saw the license plate was from Ohio. Oh yeah, they're from Ohio. Yeah. I mean, so just kind of wherever she is stationed, she was she was going to these like COVID hotspots mm. and they she ended up somewhere here. I don't know if she's at Cabrini or where she is, but she's somewhere around here. And um, Melissa Gudo in town actually invited him to come to a farmer's market. And he just kind of like fell in love with the people here and just keeps coming here and parking. Oh, that's awesome. And selling stuff. But I mean, amazing business model. You take your brick and mortar business with you home every day. <laughs> and it was it was so cool to see because he had cut and designed everything in there, mm-hmm. and it's one of and we were able to talk to him since we were the only ones there, and he loves to talk and talk to you, so that's another really cool thing. It is it is it is true. If you're going to go there, you're definitely going to meet. <laughs> you're going to get a cup of coffee, and you're going to have a friend. Yes, <laughs> you and definitely will have a friend. It was one of those things where it's like he cut out and designed and and ran all of his electrical and ran all of his plumbing and everything himself. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if I do it, sure, it doesn't look great, but I have that pride of knowing that I did it. Yeah. But if I paid someone to do it and it looked like this, I'd be upset. Yes, of course. <laughs> I mean, I feel that way about just about anything I make. I'm like, yes. well, I mean, uh, I did it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm okay with it. I was in control of this mess up and it's the best I could do. Yeah. Um. So I'm sorry, that was probably a little bit of a tangent, but... It is just interesting seeing other people in the way that they're pivoting with the coronavirus. And, and it. I think that's one thing that has been weighing on me a little bit throughout the pandemic is the people and supporting the smaller businesses in yes. your community. And because of the struggle, I mean, we have so many friends, like pretty much almost all of our friends own a small business, it yeah. seems like. And just seeing the struggle that they have to go through and then the way that they're treated by the public if they try to like adhere by things and it's just uh, it's it's very painful. I'm just so ready for it. uh, Shopping here again. I know it's like I didn't make these rules. I mean, obviously, (laughs) I would much rather be working at full capacity. I mean, Mm -hmm. who wouldn't want to do that? And it's one of those things, too, where it's like like you, 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 you have one bad experience at a place you've been going to for 15 years and you're just going to write them off. Yeah, that's, that's like the, the horrible bad review on Facebook for a local business. Yeah. Like, why are you doing that? What What is this personal vendetta that you have against somebody for, you know, having a bad day? Yeah. <laughs> or your, your one bad experience. Just the ability for people to cancel someone so fast like mm-hmm. that is... And people just latch on not like okay. little leeches. It's crazy. But, I mean, I... I am hopeful. I mean, I even I've I've gotten messages from people asking me why we haven't started doing shows again. <laughs> like, like oh, I'm sorry, on. but we we can't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. Well, not safely. Yeah, you we cannot do shows. I yeah. mean, it's and it's not even like not we can't do it safely. One, I'm not going to put anybody at risk, and two, it is mandated. It's illegal. Like we're not supposed to do this. Yeah. So if I do it, I can get fined by the fire mar- I'm not going to. I. It's just crazy. 
And then people are like, oh, well, that's that's just wild. I can't believe you care. Well, I can say this. I can believe I care. Right. The um, I have a friend who works for the VA. I was kind of telling you this earlier, and he was telling me this week because uh, one of my one of my teachers that I had when I was in grade school passed away from COVID. Right. And it was a very rapid thing that had happened. I mean, like she just got her doctorate and everything. And I remember like her being in her class in like fourth grade and it was this joyous person and everyone that kind of talks about her talks about like how joyous she was. And, um, she passed away this week and my friend and I were talking and he works for the VA and he said they have a fourth mission at the VA. And that is that if the general public needs help, they are going to help people, Mm -hmm. you know, veterans first. And then we take on that fourth mission. And this past week they had to start, uh, they got a call from Cabrini saying that they were going to do overflow at the, uh, at the morgue. So he said that 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 just blew at his mind morgue. at the morgue. Yeah. Wow. From Cabrini. So they're already overflowing and needing more space. I mean, well, I mean, I get I signed up for the Louisiana Department of Health or whatever mm-hmm. text messages at some point so that I could just get updates on. I think it, it might have actually been a hurricane and then somehow it just stayed with you, stayed into this <laughs> thing where it turned into LDH. But I get text messages from the Louisiana Department of Health that says how many people have contracted like the virus, how many people have died every yeah. day. And every day for the past like two weeks, really since Christmas, there have been numbers up to like 4,000, over 4,000, almost 5,000 in a day. And it's just wild to me. Yeah. And I just think it's grossly irresponsible. And I mean, just... I, I probably can't use enough adjectives for the way that I feel about it, honestly, <laughs> right. but just selfish and cruel to basically give people the false sense of security that it's okay. Yeah. By being like, oh, no, it's fine. Yeah, we're going to do this. It's going to be safe. You can't guarantee that. Exactly. I, there's no way. I, I mean, I, I do feel the same way right now. It's It's difficult, I think, for a theater artist or someone who produces theater to not be doing it and know that people are still going in uh, and, and celebrating like uh, on Sundays for church. Yeah. And I think, okay, well this is basically the same thing as putting on a show. And you know, I mean, it's whenever you look at it, it's like, we're going to have all these people in the audience. We're going to have people up performing in front of you. There's going to be singing like all that's there. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I feel, I feel like I don't want to keep people from going to church, but I just also feel like it's our responsibility to, be safe. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, knock on wood, I I uh, I deal with the general public, and you deal with kids too at school. Oh yeah, I know. And we both wear masks, and I wash my hands about ten thousand time. times a day. Yeah. Like my hands are really freaking dry, but mm-hmm. I've always done that from OCD and germophobia and things like that. But it's like that one little act, and I've seen so many people around me catch it. Right. But. They've asked me to do two things, and I can do those. Yeah, two I can do those two things. <laughs> yeah, I can do those two things. And and the fact and that you, me, and Lexi, like seen those videos of, like, I've watched a couple of those videos of from like nurses posting things, and it just like rips your heart out. Mm-hmm. Just like, what is happening? I think it's just definitely that out of sight, out of mind thing. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that there's a possible way. Like, I know us having this conversation is going to make somebody angry. Yeah. I know it. I'm like, I don't. 
I don't know why it's we're just speaking about facts that are happening yes. in life. <laughs> and I think I find it frustrating the most just because I see it, you know, affecting all of my friends, their mm -hmm. livelihood. It affects, I mean, it essentially shut down our business. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's nothing more that I would give to, to be in the theater right now doing a show. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, like it's to th <laughs> Do you think we don't want to be in the theater? Yeah, I know. I performing? just that's, that's where I want to go. I mean, we <laughs> we were talking this this week about uh, this last week. We just posted that the Fox Theater is going to be doing um, that. We're going to do some drama classes, mm -hmm. and that was like a painstaking process of figuring out if that was the right thing to do. I mean, with that, I th I feel like I can control a little bit more. Yeah, and I can control who's going to be there. I can control how far apart everybody is, and still make it a, a good experience. I mean, just kind of like it is at school in a way. But I, even that, we still had to th do a lot of soul searching on is this an okay thing to do? Is this right? Yeah. Are we being good people? <laughs> but you're not bringing in, uh, you know, hundreds of people for an audience right. to watch a show, which yeah, is much different. Happening. No matter how much I would want it to happen, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, so we were going to talk a little bit about Mockingbird again today. Yes. Let's continue down that path. I mean, this is kind of like Since a... we've a, spent about 20 minutes on this. Yeah, whoopsies. <laughs> this is kind of like part du che de leche. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, I don't like what this chair has done to you. It's been so different since we moved it in here. I basically uh, could. Uh, I think it's because I'm actually asleep. I'm actually Are you still asleep. doing Duolingo? Yeah, no, that's... that's it's yes, dead. I am. It's dead. It's not dead. Oh, okay. It, I don't know what the word for dead is. <laughs> this is no more. It's not. <laughs> um, Je ne sais pas alive. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, I'm not. Anyway, what are I, we talking about? I was about? just trying to break down that word. Uh, so, I, which one of the cards are you pulling off the wall today? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd have to like revisit rereading them again. Um, well, first off, we were kind of talking today about the different characters and kind of how all the different characters lend themselves to the narrative of the story you yeah know, like to the overall theme of it um and one of the people that i was kind of concentrating on is just like the like the purpose of the characters yes one of the, the people that i was talking that i was thinking about is the character of uh miss debose mm -hmm. which is the super old lady that lives beside uh, the Finch's house and is really mean. Like, yeah. Really, really mean. Like Scout says, hello, Miss DeBose. And her response is, don't say hello to me, you ugly little girl. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, that's her first line. <laughs> so I'm just like, man, to be honest, I would love to play Miss DeBose. What? Because she's so evil. That'd be a but great role for you. It would be really keep great. Keep the beard. I would keep the beard. Don't say hello to me, you ugly little girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would I would spend hours on all the liver spots. Yeah. There's so many liver spots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but she she is just. You know, in every character, I like to think that there's a redeeming quality. Mm hmm. And the two people, or I, I guess really the, the, uh, she does, in a sense, get redeemed mm -hmm. towards the end. But the other person that doesn't really that I I have not been able to find a redeeming quality in this show, besides the obvious villain, is uh, Miss Stephanie. Mm. 
And thinking about the two of them, I find them very similar, mm-hmm. and yet they're also very different. I was just kind of wondering what you think about, because Miss Stephanie's kind of like the town gossip. Yeah. She always, like, she really, in the the very beginning of the play, the way that it's written, she fills everybody in on what's going on around and she does the thing like, well, you know, this is their last name. And you know this about them because their last name and those people are always tall and these people are cheap and yes. these people never pay their bills. And you just refer to it as their last name. Like in Marksville, there is a term that I'm not going to say because, one, I don't really know how to say it. And if I say it, then Lexi's going to make fun of me. And also, <laughs> I'm not totally sure if it's offensive or not to okay. these people. But All right. there's a particular last name. Like I would hear people like not just in this family talking about like calling people this name mm. and i it was it's a french word it's a, okay and i was like what does that mean what does this word mean they were like oh it's it's like a um it's like a a trashy person oh uh, i was like what do you mean it's like a trashy person? like oh you know it's like a, a trashy person it was like well what is where did that come from they're like oh it's it's this particular family's last name. It's like that is intense. Wow! But it's become like a wow. a Voyles Parish slang. Can you imagine the street cred that you have to have <laughs> to be able to get? I don't know that an entire be community awesome. to be like, yeah, what? Where? Oh, that's one of those McDowells. Oh god! <laughs> you really McDowelled it up, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. But that's basically what's going on there. Whenever I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, it's just like Mockingbird. It's so wild. <laughs> But um, so I just I she's one of those people that kind of fills everybody in. But it, throughout the book, nothing really like she doesn't get her she doesn't get her comeuppance at yeah. all. And I just I wonder what her purpose is. Like, what do you think? I think because um, I'm thinking of this on the fly since you've asked me. Um, well, I mean, I'm thinking of it on there, the fly. There's too. there's there's two ways to kind of look at it. Like from a from a writing standpoint, I would say that you probably are using her as sort of a framing device to show what the community is saying. Yeah. Like behind everyone's backs, like this is probably what the general public is really feeling about all of these things. Like, oh well, so she's that's like the so voice so. of the town in yeah. a way. And then the the other side of that, I would say is the it shows what people do when they do nothing. Yeah. When they, and have, they, when they, they don't have develop, anything else going on. Yeah, they, they have nothing else going on, so they kind of become these gossips. And then they they just adopt all of these other things that the town just says. And mm-hmm. this is like, it becomes fact, almost. It would, you know, it, it's it's just crazy to me that, you know, I'm not even going to bring that up. Never mind. That's a whole <laughs> that's a whole different time. But anyway, it's just to me that's kind of like what I'm seeing in her and it's like, well this is the town. This is this is what happens when you know, you guys aren't making a difference. You're not being different. And that's mm-hmm. maybe why we have her to show her in such stark contrast to Atticus and Miss Maudie and all right. of these people who are good. Because that's kind of like if you divide the show in half and you think about, okay, these are the people that are like morally upstanding people for the most part, even though that everyone is flawed in their own way. Um, But every character has, I I think as an actor, when you look at it and even as a director, you have to try to find why the, like the, the good thing about them and the bad thing. Like here's where they're, here's where they fail and here's where they succeed Mm -hmm. for her. I 
cannot find where she succeeds except for there's like there's one half a second of a moment you know that mm-hmm. where after after we talked about the the dog getting shot yeah where she says um well you know uh old tom or i think is what was the dog's name no tom tom is the tom man on trial tom robinson but um old something yeah um old i don't know yeller dog there you go old young Old dogs walking down the road, <laughs> and uh, that she's he she says, oh well, he was probably just just had a whole bunch of fleas, and mm-hmm. and poor Atticus or Atticus Finch just went out there and shot the poor thing, and Miss Maudie like claps back at her and is like, uh, well, you sure didn't mind, you know all that, um, letting Atticus shoot them whenever you were hiding in your house from the dog because you were afraid mm-hmm. and letting him deal with it, and then she says, well. I will say I did feel a whole lot more comfortable knowing that Atticus was outside with the rifle. Yeah. But even in that, that was a dig at Heck Tate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like there's the indifference. Okay, so always there's just all it's always just that underlining thing, which is kind of like a it's kind of a southern thing. Mm. Oh, oh, I'm gonna yeah. tell you something sticky sweet, and it is going to destroy your heart and your soul. But. Pay attention because she also gets quiet whenever the judge shows up with Hectate when they're asking mm-hmm. about, you know, where is Atticus? So she's like yammering on and then all of a sudden, yeah, real quiet because there's someone of status, of stature. Mm-hmm. So she's like, well, how are you? <laughs> exactly. I just I just wonder, like, I guess, yeah, her in the script, she serves the purpose of just this is what everybody says. Mm-hmm. And. In a sense, I guess it's showing you really what Atticus and everyone else is up against. Yeah, because that's what has that's what they're fighting to change. Mm-hmm. And so they're, I mean, that you're not going to change somebody like that. Yeah, and I and you know they don't really go into it in the show as much as they do with the book about Jim having to go read to Miss Debose, but it's it's so. Because now that I'm thinking about it, and you brought her up, it's it's almost mirroring what Atticus is about to go through. It's like, you're going to have to do this thing that you don't want to do, or that you know is going to be hard, rather, I should say. Like, it's going to be a very difficult thing for you to muster the courage to sit through. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have to do it anyway, because it's the right thing to do. Right. I mean, especially, you know, one I do like about that, you know, uh, in the beginning... Atticus or, or Jim, Jim runs over there and he rips up her garden. That's the mm-hmm. whole reason why that happens because she said something about Atticus mm-hmm. and he just can't take it anymore. And he runs over and explodes and destroys her garden. And then Atticus makes her, makes him start going over there to read. Um, but you don't realize that that's for a bigger lesson. Yeah. Towards the end. And the lesson that he learns is kind of like Debose's redeeming quality. Yeah. Um. So th- you find out that Debose actually is in such a bad mood because she's actually addicted to mm-hmm. pain pills because of some sickness that yeah, she she's had. got some illness or something. And so she takes all this medicine and she was basically weaning herself, like trying to keep herself off. Yeah, of, it's morphine, right? Am I? I think it is yeah. morphine. I, I'd have to read it again, but I do think that it is morphine. And she ha- she's weaning herself off of it. So she's in this terrible mood, and she essentially like has Jim go over there and read to her, 
to keep her mind off of it until mm. she goes to sleep. And then she, because she had made a pact with herself not to take it anymore. She wanted to, she knew she was yeah. dying and she didn't want to die with being addicted to morphine. She wanted to have her wits about her, I mm-hmm. guess. Or just to know that she could do it even at the end. And it, uh, I think it, on a bigger scale, it shows that whole, you know, just because you're licked before you begin doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Like, she knows she's going to die. Yeah. So why wouldn't you just continue? Exactly. But it's that whole thing, like, I don't want to go out with any regrets. Exactly. So she serves that purpose, I think. But mm-hmm. also, it, it, I, I've always just kind of wondered, are they using that as an excuse for her being so mean and racist? Like she's just trying to get a rise out of people. And so now am I supposed to feel bad for this old racist lady? Yeah. Who was super cruel to people as if it was an excuse. Mm. I don't know. I I mean, I don't know either. I, I do think that that's because I, I, I don't think there is ever an excuse to behave that way. No, absolutely to not. Feel that way or think that way. I don't think there's ever an excuse for that. But it does feel like they're trying to throw it away like oh no it's okay that she was this way because of this but also it serves the purpose i feel of you never really know i mean you hate this woman Mm -hmm. till the very end but you don't know really what's going on with somebody that's made them this way so i think it also serves the purpose of i mean you don't you only see what's above water you don't see what's beneath you Mm -hmm. know so i think it serves that purpose of showing us that there was more going on than just a mean old lady. Yeah. That there was a reason for it. So maybe it's just that, and I might be reading too much into it, but maybe it's teaching the thing of that racism and all that kind of stuff. You don't start off that way. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. It's, and that's like definitely a learned trait. Oh yes. You're never going to see a racist two year old. (laughs) No, (laughs) that's just not going to happen. That is crazy because you'll see these kids at like these daycares and things like that. And they're all intermingling and they just look at each other like they're other human beings. Yeah. Everybody, everybody is the same no matter where they come from. Yeah. They They, just, you know, kids don't don't have a concept that you're wearing a Tasmanian you know, yeah. devil shirt or whatever. They just want to be your friend. They want to love on you. I don't know. There's a pre-K kid that I teach that really loves it when I wear purple. It's like the biggest thing in her day. Oh. So. Is that why you never wear purple? I wear, <laughs> <laughs> I wear purple sometimes. <laughs> Got one like red and blue shirt. Well, then what do you... Um, I know he's brief into the story. Well, what, what do you think about, uh, you know, in lending to this Reverend Sykes? I, Tom's pastor. Yeah. Not that you, you know, what, know that. No, I know who it is. <laughs> you looked at me like... Mm. Well, no, because this is what's been tripping me up. So in Tuna, there's the Reverend Spikes. <laughs> and when you said that, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> no. He gathered at the river and brought in the sheep. Hunger was his pickle. Hashvira. <laughs> oh, if you missed that, it was beautiful. Uh... So I keep getting, like, every time I read it, I'm like, all right, wait, say his name right. Don't mess up. This is not the other show. Uh, yeah, so Reverend Sykes, I think that he definitely, you know, he actually, is the first time that he comes on, he comes on singing with a choir, mm-hmm. and they're raising money for his wife. Yes. Uh, for, for Tom Robinson's wife, who is not able to have a job because nobody wants to hire her 
because of what's going on with yes. the trial. So they're going around to all of his... Because it is a small town. Word yes. would have gotten out like wildfire. Fast. So they don't want her working because of her husband. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to all of his uh, members of his congregation trying to raise money for him. And Miss DeBose says, uh, oh, hold on. Actually, I might... Mm-hmm. I might have said hold on and then actually didn't mean it. So I'm just going to. Where are you talking about? uh, What part? It's whenever. uh, When she says, you know, you need to confine your choir or whatever. Yes. So that's when he's like first walking up and then he says, um, I got it pulled up right here. That's why. Oh, there you go. It says, excuse us, Miss DeBose. We're making a special visit to our parishioners, Miss Cal. To right. one of our to visit one of our parishioners, Miss Cal. Exactly. And then he says it's about uh, Brother Tom's trouble. Uh, uh, we and have to do more for gear. his, you know, wife and children. Yeah. So he just like, oh, pardon me, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. We're talking so he's, to. He's over there, but he's still kind to her. Here. Yeah. He's still kind. Mm-hmm. Which I, I just, you know, obviously, you and I read this script, and we have a very different feeling because we're both white. Yes. You know, and we're reading, I'm reading this and it angers me, but it's not anything that I've ever experienced. Yes. Whereas I know that any of my black friends, like this is something they've gone through where somebody has just been ridiculously rude to them for no reason. And then they have come back and just let it go because it's commonplace, it seems, you know, and it, that is infuriating to me, but it's, I, I don't know. I go back and forth on. Is it like a pick your battles and pick who you're battling with I think sort of thing? In maybe this, with him? it shows definitely uh, who is able to be a little bit more Christian in the moment. Mm. Oh and yeah, 100%. it definitely to me shows the uh, what is the I'm trying to th- to think of the like it's not gentlemanly gentleman it's not a gentleman it's who is able to be it's like a higher class yeah like obviously the Reverend Sykes is classy yeah and he's not gonna say something to this old lady like what she just did because it's wrong yeah and um i do do think it is a pick your battles thing but right like right off the bat he establishes who he is and what he stands for Mm -hmm. and that one little moment but yet again it shows miss debose being a cruel (laughs) yes cruel lady (laughs) um but the reverend sykes I, i i don't I think there is this pureness to him. He also takes care of... I I think it's interesting that he is the one that takes care of Jim and Dill and Scout at the trial. That they sit with him, and he looks after them and makes sure that they are okay. Yeah. You know, and even though they're sitting up in in reverence-like section, in the colored section, as it says. And... um. I do. I, I don't know why. I don't know why he's the one that takes care of him. I guess because you'd think like Calpurnia can't be there because she doesn't know. Yeah. So then there's not like blow up at the end. I think it just shows that the Reverend Sykes is able to. Of course, no, but it does say like there at the end, whenever Scout is not paying attention, and Reverend Sykes says, "Stand up, stand up, Miss Jean Louise. Mm-hmm. Your daddy's passing." Yeah. And like everybody stands up. Oh, it's such an emotional part. Yeah. So cool. So I think maybe that's what it is, is that he's he's looking after Atticus's Finch's kids. It's mm-hmm. not so much the fact that they're kids, it's that they're Atticus's kids. Yeah. That's got well, yeah, yeah, that's got to be it because he's he's like 
you know, you're, you're doing this great, amazing thing for this man that I love, you know, one yeah. of my sheep, uh, you know, since he's, that's what I was, was going to say. He was like shepherding. The yeah. And he's like, you know, whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of, you know, your flock too, because it's important. They're but important I kind of think that he would do it for anyone. Oh, hundred. Yes, yes, honesty. yes. But it, it, it does feel that way. But what is it? This is what's I wish so he interesting had more, to me. To yeah. be honest, this is what's so interesting to me, is that in that moment he doesn't go to anyone else in that community mm-hmm. to ask for money for Tom Robinson. He goes to Calpurnia. Right. He could have, and you know, not that Miss Maudie wouldn't have given Mister Bose well, surely wouldn't have. They're not members of his church. Yes, but. He didn't. He didn't go to everyone asking for money. He went to, you know, sort of his flock of people, like his parishioner. Well, he didn't, I mean, like you try would to think branch that out. Miss Maudie probably would, but I yeah. don't know really what the social implications. Of that's that what would I'm. Be. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like, what would what would have been the? Uh, because you know, uh, Atticus talks at the end whenever he's giving his closing ar- argument. He talks about the crime, the only crime that Mayella really committed, which was a crime against their social construct yeah. of what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then tried to cover that up by doing what any other kid would do and be by placing the blame somewhere else. Yes. And so I think, you know, just thinking about that, just how much the how much that weighs on their society, mm-hmm. that, that is really what's going on. Is that it's more or less that would not be welcomed for him to go up there on the porch. Yeah. You know, it's, I, Lexi and I just watched, it's, it feels so cool that you and I are recording this on Martin Luther King Day. Oh, yes. And, um, awesome. I know. And, uh, I watched, uh, last night, Lexi and I watched, was it last night? It was Once Upon a Time in Miami. Miami. Is it Once Upon a Time or a night? No, a night in Miami. A night yes. in Miami. Which is directed by Regina King and has Leslie Odom Jr. in it, who is just like, I don't know. I don't know any if any of us are. There's not a word that can describe. We're unworthy to, to know on. who he is. The talent that, I just want to know what it feels like to be that talented <laughs> in every way. Right. It's just like, you know, we were listening to him sing and I was just saying like, to be able to sing that way must feel so good. Yes. Well, that that what was that song that you were saying was they did he was the born film? by the river. Um, yeah, uh, and it's like I was born pitch freaking perfect, and I was well, just like he plays Holy Sam Cooke in the movie. It's such a cool idea. I mean, and Re- Regina King is another woman that's just like had a congratulations two years. Yeah, I mean, you just did you finish watching? I the finished Watchmen? Watchmen. Oh my gosh! Amazing, man. just freaking. Her performance throughout the entire thing. It does not, you know, I think a lot of people, for the most part, are turned off of the fact that it's based off of a comic book. But you would not know that it was based off of a comic book, no. really. It is intense. Like the very first episode when they start talking about the Tulsa massacre, I'm like, whoa. That blew my mind. Where is this going? Yes. And it just takes a completely different route. It's kind of like the way that I felt about Lovecraft Country, which you haven't started yet. I haven't. But it's on the list, man. When you watch that, that that series is yet again another insane, amazing series. It's so good. Oh my gosh, it's so good. But um, one night in Miami, the guy who plays Malcolm X is just on another level. 
Yeah. And uh, I mean, all, all of these amazingly talented people. And I was watching it thinking like, I know this is a play. This is a play. I know it's a play. And I think I've read it. <laughs> it's, it's just like <laughs> wild when you get to a certain point in your life. You're like, I think this is a play. I think I've read this story before. And then, you know, you have to, you realize at the end that it was a play and that you were right. But how in the world could you have forgotten something that you've obviously done? Right. Like that. Like that's ridiculous. Well, you do. You read so many things. I guess and that's true. Like I just read uh, To Kill a Mockingbird and we sat with the script, you know, from January to February or March last year. And things just so evaporate. many things I have just. Forgotten. Yeah. I mean, yeah, things just when they're not fresh, they just mm-hmm. kind of disappear. Of course, there have been a lot going on in the world. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that some things have happened. There's been some changes for sure. One, <laughs> One night in Miami. Oh, so we just so we just watched that last night, and I, it was so amazing to hear them talk about like, you know, Muhammad Ali is in this, and it starts off with him as Cassius Clay when he mm-hmm. wins the fight, and he's like friends with Malcolm X and it's like this cool like Malcolm X him and then this uh, Sam Cooke and this guy that I actually don't know about named I think his name is Jim Brown who was a a famous football player and then became like a movie star Mm -hmm. and he was one of the characters and I actually wanted to look him up to because I I don't know anything about him Mm -hmm. but it starts off one of the first scenes is him driving his car and man it was a really really fine like black cadillac Uh it was so pretty car um but he's driving in georgia he's in georgia and he goes to this guy's house and it starts off and it's just it's so brilliant and it has uh he he knocks on the screen door this younger girl comes and she answers it she's just like super bubbly she's like this this uh like, you know, 20 something white girl. And she's just like super excited to see him, gives him a big hug. And he looks very uncomfortable when she realizes who he is. But it's interesting because there's a shift. I'm trying, I'm trying to say this in a way that makes sense. Yeah. He gets to the door, he knocks, she sees him from inside the house. And this is an old Southern home. So there's a porch before the screen. So there's plenty of distance. And she's like super wary mm-hmm. of him, like obviously judging him based off of his skin color. Yeah. And then he says, I'm here to see whoever, which was her dad and or grandfather. And this is who I am. And when she realizes that he's the famous football player, she like runs and she's like, oh, my goodness. And it's like her like an immediate shift. And it was so brilliant the way that it like just that moment alone that Mm -hmm. happened. And you could see it. The change of this like scared girl because she's just like basically profiling somebody. And then. Oh, you're famous. It's okay. And then that kind of set the tone for the rest of the movie. But she runs and she gives him a big hug and he looks very uncomfortable. And then re- like she relaxes him yeah, because she's so welcoming. And they have this whole conversation on the front porch. I don't want to give the whole movie away, but this like was so shocking because the guy is talking to him about like, you know, I'm so excited that, you know, you're doing so well in the NFL. And if there's ever anything that you need from us, you just let me know. And your family who lives here, they don't have anything to worry about. And he's obviously like an old, rich, white guy. Yeah. And he said, you know what? I think that we should change the welcoming sign to say, you know, that whatever the name of the town was, mm-hmm. um, some island, and it said something island um, in Georgia. And 
it's it's uh, home of Jim Brown. And so the guy stands up and he's he's at the very end of the conversation and he says, uh, oh, the girl comes out and says, hey, can you help me move the shifa robe? And which is interesting because yeah, they talk about the exactly. shifa robe and Mockingbird, yeah. which is what, why that kind of stuck out to me. But uh, I need your help to move the shifa robe. And so the grandpa gets up and the guys is at the end. He says, oh, you need some help moving. You're moving some furniture. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm moving some furniture. He's like, oh, well. <laughs> I mean, I, I can help you move. I can help you move the furniture. And he goes, "Oh no, no, no! Come on now, Jim. You know we don't allow." And then he says the N word, which I'm not going to say, in the house. And then you realize they never welcomed him in, and that he's only ever been on the porch. Wow! And that was the end of the scene. And the guy just looks at him like, "Oh right." There's this. I mean, it was so shocking. Wow. This massive divide. And that's like the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> You're like, oh, all right. Here we go. That is amazing, though, that, you know, they find out that or they realize that he's famous and suddenly the attitude can change. Oh, yeah. And like, why are we so now it's okay. not alarmed by, you know, famous people, right? Yeah. And then the second, like, we're really trusting of famous people a lot of times. Well, and it's, it's almost like you saw in her mind, like, oh, I'm scared of you mm -hmm. because of your skin color. You're famous. I'm no longer scared. You're safe. But but I love that his attitude when she came to hug him, he was still like his attitude didn't change. No, he's very uncomfortable. He yes. didn't change. But that last moment, whenever the guy says that, and you're just kind of like, oh right, he's just constantly faced. Yeah. I mean, it just never goes away. And the minute, and what's so sad is that you see him relax. Yeah. Like you think, oh yeah, you're in a. This is a good place. These are good people. And you're following along like that. It's so brilliantly written that you go along with them. Well, it's great because they show him with the car. They yeah. show that he's this football player or, you know, uh, some sort of athlete of some mm -hmm. kind. And that he's got all of this success, all the success. And he's but he still, still can't be invited in. Yeah, the door. He's, he's not. He's he's there's a part of the threshold. He's not yeah. able to cross. And that's really the entire film right there. That's what they deal with the whole time. That's amazing. Sam Cook, And they're all famous in their own different ways, yeah. you know. Sam Cooke is his first scene is at the Copacabana mm -hmm. and him always wanting to play there and not able to cross the barrier with an all white audience. Mm -hmm. And then Malcolm X, like getting frustrated with him for trying to appeal to a white audience, because why would you have to do that? You yeah. Know? Um, so you have like these great you've got super positivity from Muhammad Ali and then you've got the idol idolistic person in Malcolm X and then Sam Cooke who just is saying you know what I'm going to get mine yeah while I can I don't care what's going on and then you see the effects that all of that has on Jim Brown on the other guy it's just a very like if you haven't watched that movie I, I you need to I'm, watch I'm gonna movie. I'm gonna watch it because I've like walked in and Lexi was like oh my god I know we're still Have listening to the seen? soundtrack <laughs> the soundtrack is so good um, but of course, you know, we're like Leslie Odom Jr.'s biggest fans anyway. Oh my dude, that dude, so, that, I mean, just like, do you think he'll be in To Kill a Mockingbird? I don't think we have enough money. What if I just write him like a huge fan email and I'm just like, Hey man, we, we're not going to pay you until not that we don't think you're worth it. <laughs> no, I can say this because he talked about this on, it might've been Dak Shepard's podcast about how uh, they 
when they were filming Hamilton, mm-hmm. he almost didn't do it because they didn't want to like pay people what they right. were worth. Yeah, not and everybody. He's like, no, the understand. Same of money. Yeah, he's like, understand. I'm a part of this cast. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do this. Right. If you're not going to pay me for my time and my talent. And I think that that's very important to well, you understand. Know, and he put the time in on that, too, because he workshopped it at the public and was only getting like $300 a week, which yes. is nothing. Because nothing. he believed in the project. And I think as an artist, there could be a lot more of that going around. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, there's definitely... I, I think any artist, you put in the... It's, it's, it's so easy whenever you're passionate about something to be taken advantage of. Yes. And that's why I really do try. Like, we're so fortunate to have so many talented people that want to help us. And and that's great. But, I mean, if we have the opportunity or we're able to pay somebody to do something, like, we want to do that. Yeah. You know, most of the time we, we offer and we try and people will just not let us. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think that there's a lot of, like, we understanding what it, takes to put things on well it's different because you're not taking advantage of people and their yeah. talents and their time well and that's i i think you know i mean i we've had we've done a topic on that before of just the exposure thing mm-hmm. and what that's like it'd be different if like say for example you reaped all of the benefits of like this podcast for example if you right. reaped all of the benefits of if we ever actually made money on this, but like, <laughs> like, let's say we got sponsorships from say, maybe Nectar if we just start or, telling people that we're making like so, <laughs> like people will then eventually be like, oh man, let me, can I be a part really of it? Well, I guess um, like they're making money. They they must be like Starbucks. We should start supporting right? them all. Oh, man. So we back, need t-shirts. Yeah, way to bring that around. Nice. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank Freaking you. Freaking nice. But like, let's say we got sponsored by Grove, and you guys were getting Grove boxes for free. And never gave me any of those Mrs. Myers calendars. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> hold on a calendars? second. Calendars? Oh, candles. Candles. God Let's say, it. like, man. Yeah. I'll take a calendar. I'll too. take a scented calendar. Um, <laughs> wow, this month smells like lavender. Oh, my goodness. I think we just gave Mrs. Myers a million dollar it's idea. Their next big thing. Scratch and sniff every day. Yeah, a bit, uh, uh, advent calendars? Yeah, like an advent calendar yeah. for, like, with the chocolate, but it's. It's just a little scent. You just walk up. Every holiday has a scratch and sniff. <laughs> But yeah, it, it you know it would be different. And then like, uh, guys, can I get a little cut of that? And you'd mm-hmm. be like, mm, no. like no, these walnut sponges are all ours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you don't do that, and that's what I, that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, it'd no, be no, different if you were reaping all of the benefits from it. And it's like, no, I don't mind helping you because, or you know, do working with you in mm-hmm. any kind of capacity as a result of that. Now we're friends, and I don't care about any of that, but. That's what other people are probably You're just saying thinking. that you don't, you don't care about my success? Your success um, is my success. That's very true. And <laughs> like vice versa. You, oh, if I won the lottery, you, the first thing you said was, I'm quitting my I job. resign from everything, and we are just going to... taking gonna, care of me. <laughs> we're going to put all of our money into whatever venture we deem worthy. Um, Are you keeping and that recliner? I don't know if you just heard what I said on complete accident, but I said we're putting all of our money... <laughs> If you win, we're putting our money. There's a very small handful of people <laughs> that I'm definitely taking care of. I'm definitely never telling anyone. Oh, no. I, I said that to Lex the other day. I was like, if, if we won the lottery, it would never tell us all. First thing I'd do is I'd go throw my phone in the river. I would throw my phone away. I would delete all social media money to who I thought needed it anonymously. And then I would just do whatever I needed to yep. do. Oh, you. I mean realistically 
people would probably never see us again. Yeah, most we would likely. Be traveling the world. That's very true. I'd be buying my way into performing in some show. I mean, I don't care. I would do it. <laughs> Just be like, who do I need to pay here at the National Theater to get in on this? Oh, I love it. Um, but I know that we just went down a, a rabbit yeah, a hole of insanity. Thing. So sorry about that. But I, I do think with these, uh, like uh, we were talking about the Reverend, right? Is that yes. what we were talking yeah, about? Yeah, we were talking about the Reverend. <laughs> that was a long thing. But what I was, I, what made me think about Leslie Odom Jr. Honestly, was that the Reverend his, on his first entrance enters with that choir? Yes, and that is one thing when thinking about this show that I cannot get out of my mind of just, you know, you have moments of the show that you're like, Oh, I, I will do an entire show for one moment. I think we said that, mm-hmm. or I, I've said that on this podcast before, but I would do that entire show just for what I want the reverence entrance to be Yeah, with the music, like him coming in and singing and how beautiful Dear that can be. What to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> This is the wrong Just show. Just throwing some uh, Lin Manuel I mean, if, if it were him, though, we would kind of have to, you know. Look at my son. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so imagined. Can you can you can you amazing? Can you imagine if Leslie Odom Jr. came in and sang that "I Was Born by the River" song, dude? Woo. Kill, I got goosebumps killer. just hearing it. Killer. I know that that's not like a church song, but actually now I think I'm going to put that song in the Mockingbird playlist on Spotify. 100%, yes. Yeah, I think I'm going to put it in there. It's so good. Um, I can't wait for you to watch that movie so that we can talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah. I think it, it does. I, I think is, you know, like I feel really bad. I wish that... Uh, I feel... I, I, I'm in like this internal struggle right now about how mm-hmm. to talk about this. But we kind of touched on it a little earlier about our life experiences. And I think I'm just very sensitive to the fact that you and I are both too young. I don't, are we middle-aged? I don't know. We're we getting are. close. Yeah, um, I think so. Younger uh, white dudes yeah. that are putting on this play. And that we're putting it on, I think we're putting it on for the right reasons, mm-hmm. but there's just going to be parts of it that we can't understand. Yeah. And so making sure, like moving forward, trying to think of ways to make sure that we are asking the right questions to the right people and being sensitive to the fact that there is just stuff that no matter how hard we try, we're not going to be able to yes. fully comprehend. Yes. I think that's that's just what's been kind of going through my mind well, lately, just because we think about it a lot. Like I can, I know all of these, every racist white person in this show, I know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I that I've got a handle on. <laughs> it's like yes. you know what my where where I grew up, I now under yeah. like I understand all of this and what I how these people are yes. and what I you know. I'm so thankful that I have the parents that I have and that I was taught to be the opposite of everything. Um, But I also know people that I went to school with that were not. Yeah. But then also moving forward, like making sure that you and I are still talking to, you know. Gaining different perspectives. Yes, that we're we're talking to, um, that we're talking to 
people of different nationalities and different you know races and yes. making sure that we're getting all of that in there so that we're accurate in yeah. what we're doing. Don't want to brush it over and be like, well, this is why this. And it's like, it's no, just no, no. It's such a hard thing yeah. to talk about, man. Just like so, making sure that you're doing it the right way. And that yes. I'm not, I'm like, it stresses me out. Like even right now, I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm saying. Like how to, <laughs> how to articulate this because I don't, I just want it to be that you and I are coming at it from the right place. Yeah. And that we're not just doing this like, you know, the, the, what, what do they call it in literature or in film? Like the white knight savior yeah. complex yeah. thing. Um, and I've heard that said about the Atticus thing and about Harper Lee because she was a white woman writing this story. I could believe that if things went differently. No, and I, I know, like, <laughs> obviously, like, the book is... But but still, you have yeah. people that come at it and they're thinking about it in a way of how could she possibly know of this experience? But I do think it's why the racists are written so well. Yeah. And, like, you know, that, that is articulated. That. Yeah, perspective. That that's articulated in that way. Um, I do think that it's obvious that she must have had some very good relationships mm-hmm. um, to be able to write things, you know, about like what we were talking about with code switching and just to yeah. have an understanding about that. I mean, I'm sure she probably had a Calpurnia oh, for in sure. her life. And I'm sure that a lot of these conversations probably came from that. You know, I, th- there was one, there, you know, talking about all this, it, it reminded me of when my parents uh, years ago, we, we had to put a new roof on the house or whatever. We had this roofing crew come in and, you know, it was like lunchtime and all these dudes sat down on the porch and they had this uh, one black guy, African-American man with them. And he said, uh, is it all right if I sit down on the porch and eat? And my dad was like, yeah, everybody else is. What are you doing? Yeah. Just sit down. I'm like, what? Why are you asking me? And like that was the first time in my mind that I can really realize like, oh, this is this is different. That, that there's a, a different or that there was somewhere in there where somebody felt the need that there yeah. was a difference. And 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 like I genuinely I mean, you know, this was 15 some yeah. odd years ago and it still sticks well, with me. I mean, you think we're a very young country. Yeah. And the mistakes that were made at the beginning of the country were not that far away. We're mm-hmm. like we're it's not that mm-hmm. long ago. And I think that it's easy to think that it's long ago when you're white. Yeah. Because it wasn't as hard <laughs> for us, you know? I exactly. Mean, like, we had it pretty easy like, as far I, as that goes. You know, watching... There was not as much for us to overcome, basically, is what I mean. Yes. You know? Watching uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, the Jerry Seinfeld show. Yeah. And when he gets pulled over with Chris Rock, and Chris Rock is genuinely nervous. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you're one of the most famous people in the world. You're one of the highest paid comedians out there. And you're nervous. And But, you know, Chappelle has that same, like a same story about that. But he was like, we got pulled over. But, you know, I'm good. My friends were nervous, but I'm Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> but all that to say, like, like that's just something that I don't have to worry about. Yeah, like when I get pulled over, I'm still like nervous. Like, oh, crap. You know, I'm getting this speeding ticket. And to me, it's just a routine stop. Yeah, I've never, I've never exactly been afraid in any sort of. I've never been afraid. Yeah, I've never, I've never feared for my life being pulled over. And I never would. I would be more afraid of getting in trouble, mm-hmm. like having to get a ticket or tell somebody I have a ticket, than actually being, you know, that I, I'm never afraid that I'm going to go to jail. Yeah, but all that to say, I think it's important that we talk to the right people. That we, that we, yeah. 
make sure we understand different perspectives and like mm-hmm. why this is the way that it is. What you know, why does why does Tom frame this story in the way that he has to? Exactly. Well, it's kind of like I would never I would never assume and then just say, you know, to, to the person playing the Reverend or Calpurnia, whenever they say this racial slur, this is how I want you to react in the back. Yeah, exactly. Because what in the world do I know? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that feels like. I mean, I know what I feel like when I hear it. And it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> and so I cannot imagine. I, I just can't imagine it. And um, I mean, it's just that that to me, whenever the, the what I was just talking about the, in that film, in that first, you know, 10 minutes of the movie, it is so heart wrenching. Like you mm. just. Regina King did such a good job of framing that out to where you really were on the journey with him. Yeah. And that's what I want to do with these people, you know, making sure that, you know, each one of these people serve the narrative of the show. Yes. In the way that they're supposed to. No matter how big or small the role may be. And that there is, I, I feel like in order for people to be able to relate, they have to either know someone like it or be reminded of, you know, somebody from their past. Yes. Like, in the South, it's easy because everybody knows him as Stephanie, who's the town gossip that's just going to like parrot everything that somebody else has said and then act like everybody is the worst, mm-hmm. you know, that she's the smartest in the room. Um, but making sure that the other roles are also equally as there and that people are on the journey with him. Yeah. Like the Reverend. I mean, it's easy just to pass over it because he's really in only like three scenes. So it would be very easy to pass over him. But he, to me, has two of the most beautiful moments. Like whenever he enters singing, I think it's going to be so, oh, my gosh. Mm. Uh, it's just kind of like, I don't you remember in the Exonerated when um, our friend Chris Jardion, when, oh. he did the, when he sang Amazing Grace in that story that he could turn the rain on and off, you know? With yeah. His, that there was, was just you so know what, though? huge. In that, I mean, he's an amazing singer. So. Oh, yeah. But in that moment, when there was something about the way that he would read the lines and tell the story, that it wasn't just like, I'm reading the lines well. It is like almost as if he had internalized this. Yeah, you just, you, you, and I took you on the journey of being like, these are my words right now. They're, they were his. I felt all the ups and downs so that when he did sing there at the end, it was so, it was huge. Well, it was also because in that particular story, it was him finding his way back to yes. faith. And so, I, I don't know, whenever you're on that path and then you actually listen to the words of Amazing mm-hmm. Grace, it's just like huge. It's such a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, but I like something like that, thinking of a song like that for him to enter in where he's doing this, really he's going down the road, yeah, singing with this group of people that, He's in an area that people don't want him there. Yeah. And they're coming in, they're entering loudly. And they're entering singing songs about, you know, goodwill and Christianity and like, you know, loving your neighbor. Yeah. In an area that people don't, you know, and that's that uh, I think is also another stark contrast. Yeah. And then he's met by somebody like, <laughs> yes, like Mr. Bose. Just the worst. Um, and, you know, Miss Maudie has a, a, a thing to play in that, too. Like I was saying earlier, there's a division between good and, and evil in this yeah. show, I think. And 
finding the characters that air on each side. Mm-hmm. And then you have people that are kind of down the middle. Yeah. Like, who is it? Mr. Gilmore. That's the, I think the name. Gilmer. Of, the, uh, the, you're talking about the attorney? I'm not talking about the attorney. I'm talking about, um, oh, let me look. The Sorry. guy, the guy that like. The sweet potato the, dude. Yeah. <sighs> Mr. Cunningham. Cunningham. Yes. Is that right? Walter, Walter Cunningham. Cunningham. So, uh, he is another one of those characters. Yeah. That knows that you know he knows better and he's a good person. He just is obviously misinformed. Yeah. Which is again a lot with of that, that whole like on. Miss Stephanie thing. Well, oh, the town is saying it and I'm buying it. And yeah. But uh, I feel like he's like in this weird middle ground. And then you've got Miss Maudie, who clearly seems to be on the Finch's side. Yeah. You know, and she's also in this particular version or adaptation of the script, she narrates the story. Mm hmm. And I I don't know. I think that it's good that she's the narrator because she's kind of objective and she is a teacher in the thing. So yeah. it's like she's teaching us along the way. Yeah, her and like Cal are like these pseudo teacher or mother kind of yeah. like figures that they don't have. It does seem like they mother the children. I do think it's an interesting choice that the kids do not have a mother. And I don't actually understand the mm. choice that Atticus... Well, it's Disney, you know. Yeah, I know. It's uh, definitely, it's definitely a Disney trick. What was I thinking? Uh, I don't know. Hey, how much time do we have? Um, we're right at about time. So if we wanted to, uh, like, put a pin in this and come back to it next week, I mean, I do like pins. I mean, you wasted a, a lot of time talking about Starbucks. I'm so talking sorry. about Starbucks. I'm sorry, but I think it's great that we uh, encourage people to do local business. Oh my gosh! Please support local business. And find ways to support your local artists, mm-hmm. especially. I mean, yeah, I I will say like Amanda's got a lot of cool things going on. They're doing this new thing with uh, Morgan Lassion, who's mm-hmm. amazing, one of our favorite people, and they're doing this after hours like coffee shop art thing. Oh, with yes, her. yes, yes, and yes. And she's it's like a coffee and art, or you can drink yeah. tea. And they're closing the shop a little earlier now due to the pandemic. So it's actually going to be around like seven thirty, I think. But yeah, on the on the Facebook, it's they've got all the like the event stuff listed. Um, I definitely just said the Facebook that came. You know, out you of said me. that, and I thought of that Aaron Sorkin Jeez uh, social Louise. network. You know, drop the the, and yeah. we still call what it the Facebook. In the world that I just do, well, I was out there on. It's that chair. You're it's turning the old chair. on me. I am <laughs> middle aged. No, I am a you're over years that old hill at this point. Um, so on this. MLK Day, I will say uh, that if you have not read anything by Malcolm X, you should probably read it. Mm -hmm. Gain perspective. Gain some perspective. Check out some um, African-American writers and uh, And read a different point of view. I love love reading MLK's uh like speeches and and oh my gosh, notes yeah. you know especially like when he was in jail and things like it's also, so like, freaking read, beautiful read the script the mountaintop because that's a show that I would love to do sometime i think i've talked about it before mm-hmm. but read the mountaintop if you don't do anything else for MLK day or the week after so yeah, this is going to come out on thursday this be thursday yeah <laughs> but read mountaintop because it is so so good yeah so good it just humanizes these people that you know we've kind of put on pedestals in a way yeah and realizing that you know they also had faults so i don't know that's that's kind of where where i'm at okay watch uh watch one night in miami one night in miami 
And, well, we'll uh, leave the people with that. And and grow from love. <laughs> <laughs> just can't, just can't do it, can you? Nope. No, nope. I mean you. You were awkward leaving the the guy at the coffee stand earlier. And You're awkward. At you, me. You tell me a joke. A joke. Oh. Uh. What did my dad say the other day? He's like, "Hey, what is a what does what does a camera and a bear have in common?" What? Is that right? Mm-mm. One has you know five the- toes and one has faux toes. Okay. <laughs> that was Cody. That was actually Rodney. That was that Cody. was, and that is Chris. Sweetheart, well, it's time to go. Ba-ba-da-ba-ba.